This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. In times of significant challenges like we're facing right now, it's easy to focus on what's wrong and what's not working and what we can't do. And that will lead to complaining and criticizing. And you know, anyone can do that. Doesn't take a special skill set to be negative about a situation. And we tend to be afraid of what the future holds instead of focusing on the one who holds our future. We don't need to have everything figured out, but we can trust in the one who does. You know, sometimes I'm surprised in myself how easily I take my eyes off God and onto my circumstances. I'm like, come on, Andre, you know better. It is just so easy to get our focus wrong. And if we get our focus wrong, if we become fearful, we could fall into the trap of becoming too inwardly focused and we miss the opportunity to overflow the goodness of God to others. Times like this are special for a whole lot of reasons. Extraordinary times open the way to extraordinary miracles. I believe that this is a season of special grace. We're moving into the season right now. A season of special empowerment in our weakness. Special provision in our lack. This is a season of supernatural provision, and I believe a season of the closeness of God. God is with us. So position yourself with the right heart and the right mindset so that you can be part of this. Do you realize how much you have already received from God? Are you seeing it? Are you thankful for it? Many of us have received much grace, and we've been greatly blessed on a variety of levels, both spiritually and in the natural. But is that grace overflowing to others? Are we seeing what is working, what is right? And all that we have received so that we can impact others with God's love. Are you seeing it right now? You're seeing all that God has given you. Because I want to help you see today. I want to remind you that you have been blessed to be a blessing that you've received grace to release it to others, to overflow the life of Christ. When we don't realize how much we've already received from God, we lack faith to act. I want to reveal to you today that you have already received so much. So you might be going to the shop and like just thinking, man, just don't get infected, don't get infected. Don't breathe, don't breathe. And in the process, we don't overflow God's goodness is to someone else. So Sandra, one of the ladies in church, uh, shared with us on Friday this beautiful story. She says, I went to spa yesterday and asked a shop assistant lady if she knew where something was. I could see that she was holding her back and looked in pain. And when she came back from fetching my item from the back, I asked her if she had pain and if I could pray for her. And that I wouldn't touch her or stand too close. Well, she agreed. And I prayed right there. Sandra prayed for her right there. She said she kind of rushed off when I asked her if she was better. 
After about 10 minutes of shopping around, she came back to me with a big smile, saying that it's totally amazing and that all her pain is gone. I told her that Jesus loves her and has a plan for her life and asked her if she knew God. She said no, but that she, go, she does go to church. So I offered to pray f- with her. She said she wasn't allowed to talk to customers. So I said, we can both go stand at the nuts in the corner and just face different ways. And we prayed and she surrendered her life to God. How awesome is that? God is so good. Sandra says it was my first time to shop and he cares enough about this lady that even during lockdown and no touching people, Jesus encountered her, healed her back and saved her soul. All glory to God. The kingdom is coming. Man, I love that. That is so beautiful. Instead of being afraid of getting infected, Sandra was aware of somebody else's need. She stepped out and grace overflowed. So imagine being so full of God, full of light and life that you can't contain yourself. Your fears become overwhelmed with his love and you just can't keep Jesus to yourself and you overflow his love and life to others. Now, Sandra says that her interaction with this lady at spa came so naturally, it was so easy. That is overflowing. God's love to someone. That it's supposed to be easy to overflow God's love to somebody. So today, I wanna help you to move into a place of overflow. Okay, so let's look at this. How can you and I overflow the life of God? John 7, 37. It says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So Jesus saying, he who thirsts, you see, many people are thirsting, but they don't know what they're thirsting for. Thirsting for peace, for rest for your soul, for hope. Well, that's all found in Jesus. So we need to desire that. So Jesus said, let him come to me and drink. So that's the first step. We need to come to Christ. We need to adore him, enjoy him, and then we can overflow rivers of life to others. And so Jesus also says there, he who believes out of his heart will flow rivers of life. That is the overflow. He who believes, so contend for faith and you will overflow. So I also want to help you today how to stir your faith by remembering what God has done for you. Okay, so we see this pattern in scripture, which says, come to God to drink, to receive, to be blessed, and then we are to overflow. Now don't miss this opportunity, this lockdown time to get into devotions yourself, to worship yourself, to pray to God, to get into the word, into scripture. This is your opportunity to not simply get secondhand input, but to sit at the feet of Jesus for yourself, like Mary did instead of Martha, and to get into the word of God for yourself. A bunch of us are reading through the New Testament now in 40 days, and it's beautiful. It is invigorating to get into God's word. You know, with the original lockdown being 21 days, I felt we should do the New Testament in 40 days. So I was already like worried, like, oh my word, I think this is going to be longer than 21 days. Unfortunately, my gut feel was right, but we're trusting 35 days and then things are going to begin to get back to normal. So create a new culture at home with your family, 
worship together, have communion together, pray together. You see, God turns all things for good. So come to him, draw near to him, take hold of this opportunity and then overflow. Don't just stop there. Don't let it stop just with receiving yourself. You know, the classic example is the Sea of Galilee and the, and the Dead Sea. The Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee and then there's an outflow also. The, the Sea of Galilee is alive, teeming with fish, and it has an inflow and an outflow. But the Dead Sea is dead because it only has an inflow. So don't only have an inflow, there must be an outflow or you will stagnate spiritually. Come on, let's overflow, let's release rivers of living waters to others. So how? How do we overflow? Well, first, be a son of God, a child of God. Come to God and just be with Him and then be a servant and overflow to others. You are blessed to be a blessing. Take up your place in God and then overflow His life to others. So do you realize how much you have been given in life. Imagine for a moment you're driving at high speed in your car. The traffic officer pulls you over. He walks over to you and he's like, Sir, you are in big trouble. You broke the law. There's going to be a massive fine, if not a jail sentence. The next moment, the officer turns to you after taking a phone call and he says to you, it's your lucky day. I'm feeling merciful today because someone just paid your fine. And so he lets you go and you drive off with a big smile on your face. Why? Because you have just experienced mercy. Mercy is you don't get what you deserve. So in all of our cases, we deserve an eternity without God. We deserve punishment for our sins. But Jesus, because of what Jesus did for us at the cross, he paid our fine and therefore we can receive mercy from our holy, loving God. You know, when you think about this, you want to thank you, Jesus. You want to never forget what you deserve due to your sins. Never forget. I'm thinking of myself as an 18-year-old young man. I didn't know Jesus, didn't have a relationship with Christ. And then the one night, uh, a, a believer in our residence where I was staying received a dream from God where God said to him, invite Andre to church. I was going through a very difficult season. That was perfect, perfect timing. In that moment where I was vulnerable and desperate, someone came and invited me to church and I had an encounter with God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I remember. Now, if you're a child of God, know that God called you to himself. You are chosen. You are loved. And if you're not a child of God, yet how about turning to Jesus today? Everything you're looking for in life is found in Him. So do you remember? Do you remember where you come from? Do you remember the mercy that God has already given to you? 
So now let's look at another scenario. Again, you're speeding, you're driving at a high speed and you break the law and the traffic officer pulls you over and you're like, oh, I am so in trouble. I am so guilty. I, oh man, shouldn't have done that. Officer, I'm so sorry, forgive me. And then as you're expecting a fine to be written out to you and handed to you, the officer hands you an envelope. And you're like, but what's this? And you open the envelope and there's a thousand dollars in the envelope. You're like, officer, I don't understand. I should be fined. I am guilty. I deserve punishment. What is this? That is grace. You see, mercy is you don't get what you deserve. Grace is you get what you don't deserve. And this is for all of us. We've all sinned. We've all failed. We've all messed up on one level or another in our lives. Yet because of Christ, because of mercy, we are forgiven and our sins are washed away. But then God moves beyond mercy and he pours grace into us and he gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us empowerment from above and he gives us peace and joy and he gives us the capacity to love others that is grace. And if you're a child of God, that's what's available to each of us right now. Both mercy and grace. Do you realize how much God has already given you? You see, and grace, as with mercy, it is undeserved. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. It is a gift. And so by faith, in God, you and I can receive grace. Now, I believe this is a season of special grace, special empowerment, special provision for each of us. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 12. The, the context here is Paul, the apostle, going through a really difficult season, and then God speaks straight to him and speaks to him about grace. 2 Corinthians 12, it says, each time he, that's God, said to me, my grace is all you need. I want to speak this over you. God's grace is all you need in this challenging season. And then it says, and my power works best in weakness. So now, Paul says, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so that first bit is that God is speaking. He says, man, my grace is sufficient for you. So about 11 years ago, when uh, my wife and I, we arrived in East London, uh, Sonica was eight months pregnant and we were basically starting a new church or starting to shepherd a small group of people. Uh, Sonica wasn't going to work for seven months. And at the same time, for the next eight months, I couldn't get our house sold in Cape Town. So paying bond payments on the house, I was pastoring a small little church and it was, I was like on my knees. I was like, God, I don't know where provision is going to come from. I prayed so much in that season. I was on my knees saying, God, I don't know where provision is going to come from. But Lord, I trust in you. And so I was blown away. God provided. We didn't lack anything. We experienced God's presence. And the church grew. 
So I'm praying for that same grace for all of us at this time. We don't know where provision is going to come from, but God is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. Then he continues and says, my power works best in weakness. We are all weak. We are frail. But sometimes we actually uh, realize it. Like in a season like this, and that season when we started off the show for East London Church, I realized, God, I cannot do this without you. That is a gift from God. When you realize how weak you are and how much you need God, that is a blessing from above. So hopefully in this season of the coronavirus, we are all realizing, God, we are weak. We need your help. God, we need grace. One of the prayers that I've been praying over the last while is just that passage in the Bible where the blind men were crying out to Jesus saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And that's what I'm praying is, Son of David, have mercy on us, have mercy on our nation, have mercy on the poor, especially our hearts go out to them. And God, we need you. And Paul continues and he says, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. He says, I find pleasure in my weakness. I'm excited about my weakness. Because you see, although we don't like weakness, the areas of lack, the areas of weakness, the areas that we feel vulnerable in, those are the areas where God's goodness is going to flow into. So rejoice in lack because then God's going to reveal himself as provider. Rejoice in your weakness because that is exactly where God is wanting to flood into. And that's what I believe in our nation, in our cities and into our, especially our poor communities, God is ready to release life and blessing there. Take pleasure. Instead of fearing lack, get excited about God being provider and healer and the one who blesses. Okay, so now the question is, how do we access grace? Well, one word, remember. Remember who you were before coming to Christ. Remember who you are without God. So look at this, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9, as we see Paul the Apostle remembering who he is without God. And it says there, he says, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecute the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So Paul starts off there and he reminds himself of his BC days, his before Christ days said, I persecuted the church. Therefore, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I am the least of the apostles. You see, God gives grace to the humble. And Paul was a humble man of God. He said, guys, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not better than these. He esteemed others better than himself because he remembered who he was. He didn't forget who he was without God. Do you remember who you were without Jesus? We must never forget. I mean, Paul esteemed the others higher than himself. He also, at another passage, he says that he is the worst of all saints or the worst of the least of the saints, the worst of sinners. How, how could he do that? Because he remembered uh, who he was before grace flowed in. 
Sometimes we must just remind ourselves of the before Christ. And also at times we need to focus again on our failures and our weaknesses. Man, that's me without Jesus. That builds a humility into our hearts. And that positions us in a place where the grace of God can flow into us. And then Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. So what is he saying? He's saying all the good that has come into my life is because of grace. It's a gift from God. I cannot boast in any of this. He's basically saying all the good you guys are seeing in me, all that I have become, this man of God, this is God that's worked this in me. I didn't do this. I couldn't change myself. I couldn't set myself free. I couldn't attain godliness and holiness and purity in my own ability. This is all the grace of God. And this builds in a humility in the heart of the human soul. You know, I'm thinking of so many times in my life where I should have been dead. Like in primary school, um, I was on a farm and, the, and they warned us of this crazy bull that has put people in hospital as, as the bull attacked them and still had all his horns and, and uh, he attacked people. And so obviously us kids were like stupid. And so we went into the camp where that bull was and that bull stormed down upon us. I remember running around this one tractor, uh, me and this other boy running around the tractor on this side and this bull coming, chasing us behind as well. And we dove over the fence and we, we made it. But that's, man, that's mercy. <laughs> that, it's, it's the grace of God that any of us survived our younger days. So remember. And so anyway, so Paul says, I have been changed. And it's all the grace of God. You see, sometimes we get confused between what we've achieved and what God has done. All the good in your life. Anything that has worked is the grace of God. And so we can be humble before God and receive more grace. Remember who you were without God. Never forget this is the key to esteeming others higher than ourselves and to overflow grace to those in God's heart. Humility is the key and it opens the way to great grace. And then Paul says, and his grace toward me was not in vain. He says, it wasn't wasted. He's basically said, Jesus didn't only save me. He didn't only pour out his grace into me and change me. This grace overflow to those around me. His grace was not in vain. So come on, let's overflow. Let the grace of God in your life not be in vain. Let every gift and every blessing, and every good thing that's flowed into your life not stop with you, but let it overflow to those in need. And then Paul says this crazy statement where he says, it, it seems so proud, so arrogant. And he says, I labored more abundantly than they all. He basically saying he labored the fruit of his ministries more than all the other apostles combined. Paul, yo, that's a bit arrogant. But then he says, but yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So Paul had an understanding, a revelation that everything that worked was the grace of God. All the fruit of his ministry was God's grace. You know, every now and again, I, I, I am reminded of this again, that without the grace of God, you know what? I, I would not have come to Christ. Without the grace of God, 
I would um, probably have messed up our marriage by now. Without the grace of God, I would have messed up our family. Without the grace of God, I would mess up the church. Everything that works is the grace of God. And it's the same for you. It's the same in your life. If it works, it's God. If it doesn't work, it's you. So we see the same principle revealed with King Nebuchadnezzar. He was this, the emperor, the great king over the Babylonian empire. And then he became proud and he exalted himself. He forgot that everything that he has comes from God. And so he had a dream and then this dream was revealed to him. And at some point when he was proud, judgment fell on him. It says in Daniel 4, 13, the king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Do you hear that? He's all about me, myself. I have done my great majesty, my power. Verse 31, while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. It said, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you and they shall drive you from men and your dwelling shall be the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen and seven times shall pass over it over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. So this great king didn't realize that all of this greatness comes from God. And so judgment fell upon him and he literally lost his mind for either seven months or seven years until he would humble himself and honor God, that God is the one who reigns in the kingdom of men and give power and authority to people. And it reveals this truth to me, that you and I can't even think straight without the grace of God. You see, wisdom begins with the fear of God, with a holy reverence for who God is. When we humble ourselves, we understand we are small and that God is great, then our thoughts become clear and we are able to think as we should. You can't even boast in your intellect and neither can I. So we are smaller than what we think and God is greater than what we can imagine. We are smaller than what we think and God is greater than what we can imagine. And this sets us up to overflow. So in Daniel 4.27, um, Daniel comes and speaks to the king. He reveals to him what the dream means and then gives him some advice. And he says, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. So Daniel said to him, O king, stop sinning, stop doing your own thing. Turn to God and remember why you have been blessed. You have been blessed to be a blessing. You have been given authority and power and influence so that you can be merciful to the poor. I believe that's what God is saying to all of us now as well. I have blessed you to be a blessing. So turn to him, turn to God and overflow blessings to others, especially 
the poor. And so for us as mankind, for all our thoughts of grandeur, of thinking it's us that rules, and even a little virus brings the nations of the earth to its knees. We are smaller than what we think, and God is greater than what we can imagine. Let's give honor to God. Let's come to Him. Let's draw near to Him. Love Him. Connect to Him. Receive grace and blessing. And then overflow it to those in the shops, to loved ones, and to the poor. And so we see in the next passage where Paul speaks to uh, the Philippian church about the power of giving. The power of overflowing. And so in Philippians 4, it says there, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So he's saying, guys, I want you to give to those in need. I want you to bless those who are lacking. And I'm not just asking for the sake of the gift. I am asking because this is the key to blessing in the kingdom of God. I want to explain to you how the kingdom of God works when you give you are blessed. So in verse 18, it says, Paul says, Indeed, I have all and abound. Oh, what a beautiful declaration that is that all of us can now say. It says, Indeed, I have all and abound in the name of Jesus. We abound. We have all. And Paul says, I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. And then he says, he explains the impact of their giving. It says, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. You know, right now we want to partner with uh, a church, Pastor Vuyo and his church in Cambridge location. It's a very, very poor community in East London of about 12 to 15,000 people. Extreme poverty and they just don't know where food is going to come from. And so as a church, we want to partner with them. Now, this verse, this passage reveals to us what giving to a cause like this, what this would look like before God. You see, when we worship and when we pray, it's like a sweet smelling fragrance coming before God. It pleases the heart of God when we pray, a holy prayers, when we worship, it's sweet incense. But in the same way, when we give, it's also a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God. So I want to invite us into this, in this time, to declare, I have an abundance. I have more than enough. So let me give, let me overflow to those in needs. And in verse 19, Philippians 4, 19, Paul says, And my God shall supply all your need, all your need. I release that over you right now, that God will supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. May every one of us experience the supernatural grace. And the key to accessing grace is to position ourselves in place of God. I'm going to allow this life to flow through me. I'm going to bless others. I'm going to invest in somebody in need. I'm going to pray for somebody that needs help. And when we position ourselves in that place, God releases the grace and we can overflow. So you might have something on your heart, your family, your house, your business, your needs. 
Now, if you want God to move into that area and to bless you, to provide for you, to prosper you miraculously, then the key is now to give to somebody in need. The key is now to make yourself available to share with somebody that is way worse off than you. I believe that is when God is going to get involved. And the provision of God is not from, it's not like God has a little bit. It says there, according to his riches and glory by Christ. God does not supply from a position of lack. He provides from an abundance. God has never ending resources. And even as we experience God's supernatural provision in those first seven, eight months when we arrived in East London, I pray that all of us would experience God's blessing of our businesses, of our families, of our homes. But we need to position ourselves in a place where the poor are impacted with God's love and provision. So come on, let's overflow. I'm thinking of of the account where Jesus had to pay taxes, uh, temple tax. So he told Peter, Peter, go fish. And the first fish that you catch, open its mouth and the money will be in the fish's mouth. Man, how crazy is that? But God is able to provide for you and me in mysterious, miraculous, beautiful ways. So don't limit him. Just know that he is able. I believe this is a season of miraculous provision. I believe this is a season where God's presence will be so, so close. So let's position ourselves. And this is the key. Remember. Remember Jesus saving you. Remember and remind yourself of all the good that is and has happened in your whole life. All the good that was God. That's grace. So be thankful. Position yourself in that place where you just focus on all that God has done for you and how much you do have. And then let the grace of God, the goodness of God, the love of God overwhelm our fears. And let's be a blessing to someone else. So remember all you have received in your life. Remember all that God has done for you. You have been blessed to be a blessing. Remember, remind yourself, and then overflow his life to others. My God shall supply in all your need according to his glorious riches. So I want to end off with this beautiful verse in 1 Thessalonians 5. And it says in verse 15, See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. And in this verse, verse 16, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. Remember, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So let's do that. Let's be joyful. Let's pray without ceasing. And let's be thankful in all circumstances and then overflow the love and life of Christ. Amen. Let me pray for us. So, Father, we thank you, God, at this time where you want to pour grace into us, God, where you want to impart more of your goodness into our lives, where you want to empower us and provide for us. Lord, I pray that each one of us would remember, God, that we would remember all you have done and that we would position ourselves in that place to draw near to you and then 
to overflow. So God, I pray for opportunities, Lord. We pray for when we go to the shops. We pray for when we drive somewhere, God. We pray for opportunities to bless and to love somebody with your goodness and grace. Amen. Let's do it. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.